Third goal inside the one. Niebuhr gets the ball. Handoff. Edmonds. Off right tackle. Pushing. Is he there? He's in for the touchdown. Second and goal inside the one. Niebuhr gets it. Handoff. Edmonds. Hole into the middle. He dives. He's in for the touchdown. Niebuhr has the ball one yard shy of midfield with his offense on the field. Gets the ball. Fakes. Now throws to the right. Caught by Light at the 45. Still on speed at the 40. He's got speed at the 30. Breaks it wide open at the 10. He's running towards the pylon. He dives. He is in for the touchdown. First and 10 for Fordham from the 38 of Lehigh. Ebert gets the ball. Handoff. Edmonds right up the middle. He's got a hole. Breaks to the outside right at the 20. He's out in front of everybody at the 5. He's in for the score. 38 yards and five touchdowns on the game for Chase Edmonds. Applebee's at Fordham Plaza. It's Monday night quarterback a presentation of WFUV Sports and FordhamSports.com. Thanks for joining us for yet another Monday with Nick Legerfo. I'm Mike Watts. Coach Joe Moorhead joins us momentarily. Ian Pace, the tight ends coach, will join us in our X's and O's segment. We go inside the huddle. Chase Edmonds and Mason Halter will be joining us later on in the broadcast. But Fordham coming off a tremendous win over Lehigh on the road. First time they've ever won at Goodman Stadium. Final score of that one, 48-27. Coach Moorhead, we begin there. Really a pretty uh, pretty good game for you guys, wasn't it, by yeah. all accounts? Yeah, on both sides of the ball and special teams. I thought the kids did a great job in their preparation, uh, you know, having some extra days with the bye week. I thought they came out and played with great effort, and, you know, we were very efficient in our execution. Obviously, there are things to clean up on, you know, all three phases of the game, but for the most part, uh, you know, it was great to finally go down there and get a win. There have been a lot of, a lot of times pulling the bus out of there on the ride back and, and having to deal with a loss, so it felt very good to get, you know, get one in the left-hand column. Well, Coach, you had talked about it. You guys struggled there at Goodman Stadium, 0-13 in Fordham's history there. To get that win, does this kind of feel like a change of the guard, so to speak? Um, you know, it signifies that we're on the right path. Um, we'll get run over if we just stand there. But, you know, there's there's a reason why, you know, <laughs> Lehigh's a very good program with a lot of tradition. You know, Coach Cohn and his staff have done a great job. And, you know, Pete Lembo before him and, you know, Kevin Higgins and Hank Small before him. So, they, you know, like I said before, they've – Got a 700 winning percentage and, you know, 10 league titles for a reason. And, that, and that's a reason why people come out of there with losses because they're a good team and it's a hard place to play. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo, we've got members of the WFUV staff here. The Fordham cheerleaders have made an appearance at Applebee's. And I, we're still tallying up how many push-ups they've done this year. And that's your fault, Coach Moorhead. Every time you score, it seems like they're putting up, what, 60 push-ups at a time at well, this point? Before preseason camp, when they were in their conditioning, they, they were given fair warning, so they <laughs> they knew it was coming down the pike. Strong, fair enough. And, squad and FCS, right? Right, and of course, we've got Fordham fan of the game, Ryan Scanlon, sitting in the back, so that's always positive. Coach, let's talk a bit about this Lehigh game a little bit further. He's over there. I think he's just hiding. Coach, uh, let's talk about the amount of rushing you guys put together. Over 300 yards. Kendall Pierce, a 100-yard rushing game. Chase Edmonds, just a, a hair off 200 as well. You have to be impressed by putting up that kind of number on a Lehigh team that's typically pretty good on defense. Yeah, and I think it's a tribute to, to our offensive line and our tight ends and, um, you know, our, our um, ability to establish a line of scrimmage in both the run game and the pass game. And, and that we talk about that all the time as an offense that if we're able to, you know, open the holes up for the running backs that we have and, and you know, provide protection for Michael and, and the guys that we have on the perimeter to, to make plays, you know, we have an opportunity to be successful on a daily basis and obviously to be able to run for, you know, almost over 300 and pass for almost 300 and have that type of balance. That, that bodes well for us moving forward. 
And you look at Chase Edmonds' performance, five rushing touchdowns. Where does that performance rank for you in, in terms of your coaching career? Where does that rank? Uh, I've been a part of a lot of uh, good running backs. You know, Dennis Kennedy at Akron, you know, set the school single-season rushing record when I was there. Um, you know, Jordan Todden, Andre Dixon, you know, both guys that went on to, to pro careers at UConn. And, and obviously C.J. setting the school single-season rushing record and having a great year last year. But I don't know that I've ever been a part of a five-touchdown t- five rushing performance. So that, that, that's a first for uh, for a time I've been calling plays on an offense. When you look at Chase Edmonds, he's only a freshman. Could you have imagined that he would put up numbers like 1,200 yards and 16 touchdowns in eight games in his freshman season? Now, I knew he was going to be – I had a, a, a sneaking suspicion that he was going to be successful this year, but I certainly didn't understand I, – I didn't have the foresight to see it would be to this degree. And, um, you know, when you, know, you provide – when you combine great athleticism and, and – very good football ability with the type of work ethic and the things he does with his preparation. I think it's a recipe for the for the type of accomplishments that he's he's um, been able to do do so far. And coach, you look at at some of the rushing totals that he's had this season, and we looked back at at that Villanova game where he rushed for negative five yards, and to see the way he's bounced back, 231 yards the next week, over 100 yards each of the previous weeks, the following weeks after that. What does that say about his character as, as a running back? Oh, it's, it's great. He has great singleness of purpose. And like I said, I think it's a, a, as much a testament to Chase as it is to his teammates around him and the guys up front. And, um, you know, our ability to rush football successfully and understand that everything we do on offense stems from our ability to, to establish the line of scrimmage. But, you know, we all had to have short memories on that one because there, there wasn't, you, know, you look around, coaches, players, everyone involved in that game, there wasn't much to be proud of. And, you know, I think it taught us a valuable lesson and we, we've, you know, we move forward from it in a very positive direction and continue to build off of what we've done the weeks prior. We're talking with Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead, previously an assistant at Akron and Georgetown, as well as UConn prior to his stay here at Fordham, and, of course, a Patriot League quarterback who was very, very good in his time at Fordham. You talk about the teammates around Chase Edmonds. I want to go further into that. We talk about the pass game so much and the 1,000-yard receivers and the 4,000-yard passer, but the offensive line, to be able to go from running 300 yards one week to passing for 400 yards the next, we're having Mason Halter on later in the show. What is it like to have a couple of guys, especially the left side of the line, that, that has so much experience and a group that can really do whatever you ask them to do any given week? I think it's tremendous, and you can't, you know, if, if you don't have the guys up front, you might as well go play flag football or seven-on-seven because seven, those skilled guys can't do anything unless the guys up front are getting it done. And, you know, just going across the board, Mason Garrick, Joe Mazzara, Matt Stolt, um, and then young Anthony Coyle, another true freshman in the line. Usually those guys don't hear their name called unless something's going wrong, a hold or penalty or something like that. But, you know, the, we, we talk about all the time the mindset of our team is dictated by our offensive and defensive lines. And, and without those guys – you know, we wouldn't be talking about any throwing yards, any rushing yards, any touchdowns like that. We go as they go. All right, Coach, let's talk a little bit more about this Lehigh game. You guys jumped out to a pretty good lead, 21-7. to You guys looked like you had this game pretty much in control. And then Lehigh starts to battle back a little bit. But you guys eventually were able to, to rise to the challenge and put them away in this game. How important is it for you guys to finish games like you did against Lehigh? Uh, very important. Uh, particularly with the stat that the young guy doing the uh, the game on the field mentioned at halftime that I think Lehigh had in two years had six occasions where they were down 10 or more and came back and won. And I told our guys at halftime, 
that the last time we were at Goodman, we were up 14 nothing in the first quarter before they came back to take a 17-14 lead in the first half, and then it went back and forth there until the final field goal. So one thing that we talk about on a consistent basis is having a finisher's mentality and that the game's not over until the last second ticks off the clock. And, and our, that guy's did a great job grinding away, and I know it was – you know, the momentum was shifting a little bit there in the third quarter, but I thought when we got that stop and the drive for the touchdown, that kind of, um, you know, gave us a, a little bit of a lead that we felt comfortable with. Mike Watts, Nick Legerfo with Fordham head coach Joe Moorhead. It's Monday night quarterback live from the Applebee's in Fordham Plaza, and they're starting to hand out the appetizers here. So at some point I think we're going to have to let you go to handle that. But we've got you for a little while longer here, Coach. Let's talk about the defense because last year they forced more takeaways than anybody in FCS. This year, maybe less so. They've gotten more tackles for losses, more sacks. They've been able to put teams in tougher situations, but they aren't getting any turnovers at the same rate, I suppose, as they did last year, and they forced no turnovers in the most recent game against Lehigh. But are you still pleased with how your defense has played this year despite the fact that they aren't causing as, as many mistakes from a – turnover perspective no absolutely you know to me the barometer of success for, for a defensive unit is the amount of points that they give up per game and i believe we're in the you know 21 22 23 range which is top two in the league and top 25 in the country uh you know the thing we talked about all the time or at least we you and i talked about coming into the season was uh, you know being able to to um, do a better job in our run defense and, and i think if you look at our rushing defense statistics um, that's much improved coming off of last year. There's been a couple times where we've let some things get out, but you know, for the most part, you talk about scoring defense, you know, total total defense and uh, things like that. Those are the things that are important, and you know, obviously the turnovers help. Uh, you know, with great complementary football, giving the, the offense additional um, you know, possessions and things like that. And I think we've done a good job translating the turnovers that we've gotten this year into points. I know that's a new statistic that they're starting to keep track of. So. Yeah, certainly we want we want more turnovers as many as we can get. We would like, but as long as we're keeping the points down and uh, you know in, in that 21-22 range with the ability we're able to score points, I think that'll be uh, pretty good moving forward. And to go one step further, your team is scoring 44 points a game, allowing 21, and points off turnovers is a similar two-to-one margin. 106 points off turnovers for Fordham and 48 for opponents, so right on the money there. But you mentioned the, the rush and being able to get 40 less yards per game this year allowed than you did last year. What are the differences? Because a lot of the personnel is similar. What are the differences between this year's rush defense and last year that makes it so much better? You know, you got some guys that are older. You know, you got some guys that are, that are more comfortable playing. You know, Nick uh, Marino was you know, new to the defensive line, having been moved over from linebacker. Uh, you know, DeAndre Slade, a year older, Justin Yancey back in the fold, uh, Brett Bistick playing very well, Marlon Crook, Justin Vaughn, some of those guys come there and contributing, and obviously some of the tweaks that we made schematically between Coach Willie and Coach Carey. Um, you know, I think, I think they've helped us. Our linebackers are playing well. Obviously, you know, the thing you forget to mention is we're doing all this without the preseason defensive player of the year and, you know, consensus, well, not consensus, but, you know, multiple outlet All-American, and I, I think that speaks volumes for George Dawson and the rest of the linebackers. You know, our defensive backs who come in and support the run. So it's definitely been a group effort, players and coaches, and you know, I'm very proud of the way these guys have risen to the occasion on defense. Well, there's definitely a lot of positives that you can take away from the Lehigh performance you guys had on Saturday. But one of the, the problems that I saw happening, and, and Mike and I talked about it multiple times throughout the broadcast, 11 penalties for 114 yards. How much of a concern is the, are those penalties for you? Uh, they're, they're concerning uh, in one aspect, you know, 
with the holds and the offsides and the pass interferences and things like that, that's something with the team we've talked about where it goes back to your practice habits. And if you're going three-quarter speed in practice or seven-eighth speed, you know, and you're practicing bad fundamentals and techniques, we talk about, you know, practice habits are game reality. So if, if you're doing those things in practice and allowing yourself to get away with those things, you know, when, when you're um, challenged by the speed of a Division One football game, you know, you, you're going to fall back on your habits. So that's one thing there. We've got to do a better job in practice with making sure we're going full, full speed all the time and utilizing the proper fundamentals and technique. And, you know, with the post-play post penalties, you know, the excessive celebrations and the late hits and things like that, that's, you know, it's just not smart football. And I think one of the things that makes us good is our ability to play with great emotion, great urgency, great passion and things like that. But sometimes I think, you know, um, we go a little bit overboard and um, we, we just have to learn the difference between being, showing our emotions and being an emotional. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to have to ever tell our guys to give great effort, but at a certain point you got to realize that uh, some of those things that happen after the whistle aren't benefiting anybody, particularly, uh, particularly the team. Mike Watson, Nick Legerfo, a third-year Fordham head coach, Joe Moorhead. Let's go ahead and leave the Lehigh game behind, as I'm sure most of your team did starting yesterday, and look forward to Colgate. By my count, there are three teams left in the Patriot League that have perfect records. Fordham is 3-0, Colgate is 2-0, and Bucknell remains perfect as well. So when you look forward to this Colgate game, certainly a lot on the line looking forward as to whether or not this is a potential Patriot League deciding game in the future. What are you telling your team going into this game about its magnitude? Is it bigger than maybe other games this year for that reason? No, it's the biggest one because it's the next one. And when we talked about our um, ticket to the postseason, you know, goes right through the Patriot League. And we talked about all of our league's games being six one-game championships. You know, we have three down and three to go, and this is our next one. And, uh, you know, we're, we're treating this like a playoff game because uh, we understand certainly the ramifications or repercussions of a win or a loss. But... You know, by the same token, we understand that Colgate's, a, you know, a very good program. They're well coached. They have good players. They give great effort. You know, they have a history and a tradition of physicality. They run the ball well. They play good run defense, and you know, they're the only team to beat us at home in the last three years. So, you know, we got a, we got a lot to look forward to, a lot to motivate us. But, you know, most importantly, because it's our next game. Coach, if you look at this Colgate team with a four and four record, some of those losses though come against quality opponents you look at albany last week that was just a seven point game they lost to ball state first game of the year udell some quality opponents in there do you see this this four and four record as a little bit deceptive in terms of the quality of their team yeah in a lot of ways it's not unlike what i said about lehigh you, you look at their schedule you know the james madison game was a fourth quarter game the monmouth game um and and, and it's been the same thing really for, for colgate the, the albany game just this past week came down to the last possession you know, Princeton was a win, you know, 31-30. to 30. Uh, Delaware came down to the last possession. So this is a, a team that's, you know, 4-4 four and four can easily be 6-2 and two, uh, against, you know, a two-quality CAA team. So we understand the challenge. We understand how good they are. And, you know, it's really going to come down to us, you know, having a great week of preparation. It was just a couple of years ago that Colgate was the giant within the Patriot League. Gavin McCarney was the quarterback, and I think he was a consensus Patriot League offensive player of the year candidate a couple of years ago now Mike Niebrick is in that situation and Colgate has a young quarterback a bit unproven Jake Melville has missed the last few games due to injury when you look at Colgate their quarterback situation being a bit in flux how's their offense look moving into this game uh, good and, and you know their big thing is to run the football and they talk about time of possession and things like that and they do a great job you know, creating extra gaps with 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 pullers and you know utilizing fullbacks and things like that and 
you know, Melville played against us last year in the final game of the season. Obviously, he's made tremendous strides as a thrower and as a runner. I, I believe he's their leading rusher, if I'm not mistaken. If he's not, he's very close. So they, they do a great job utilizing him throwing the ball and running the ball. You know, they've got three tailbacks that they, that they kind of uh, cycle through there. Uh, Demetrius, uh, the, Demetrius, I get the names mixed up. They have three of them. Uh, the kid from Bosco and then the James Trevellan kid. So they, they have three kids that are capable of running the ball, some good guys on the perimeter, some very big tight ends. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going to run the ball, and they're, they're going to try to do it successfully, and everything builds off of that. So it'll, uh, it'll certainly be a challenge. And sl- flipping over to the other side of the football, what are they going to do defensively to try to slow you guys down? Yeah, it was Demetrius Russell, James Wilkin- Wilkins, and then uh, the other guy. But, um, you know, defensively they're a multiple front. You know, they play, uh, you know, a three down, and they get to some different things, some four down looks, some odd stack looks. You have three big strong defensive linemen up front. Uh, Chris Kent, their outside linebacker, 36, does an excellent job. And Mike Armiento, one of their safeties, is a you know returning all-league guy who had, you know, had a couple interceptions this year. And, and does a real good job. So they're going to mix it up. You know, they've played some base, played some pressure, played some man, played some zone. But it, ultimately, we, you know, we've got to be prepared for all of it. I want to go back to uh, something you mentioned earlier about Colgate being the only team to beat Fordham in your tenure at Jack Coffee Field. And I believe that was a game in which you allowed the, the opposing team to score at the goal line to get a chance to be down by eight points so that you could go down the field, which you did, scored a touchdown, then fell short on the two-point conversion. But what do you remember about the, the tension late in that game and just how tight it was trying to knock off at, the, at that point, really the favorite to win the Patriot League? Yeah, they had, I think they had clinched it at that point. Um, I remember there being almost 1,200 yards offense in the game, so <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a real defensive struggle. Uh, it was a shootout, and, you know, they were driving. We were out of timeouts, and the only way we had a chance to, uh, you know, get back in the game was to let them score, block the extra point take the kickoff, drive downfield with one timeout, score, and get the two-point conversion. And uh, everything happened except the two-point conversion. So we, we fell, fell two points short, but we let them score. We blocked it, came down, had a decent return. Um, and uh, Ryan Higgins hit Brian Wetzel on the fourth down play, I believe. He was an 18-yard touchdown pass, and then we, uh, we didn't get the two-point conversion, and they ran the clock out. So it was certainly an entertaining game to watch, but one that was you know, a hard pill to swallow to, to lose a game that way when you have the opportunity to come back from such a – steep odds well coming into this year's game you're going to be at home against colgate historically a pretty good team in the patriot league does that give you any sort of advantage playing at home family weekend there's going to be a lot of people there do you feel like jack coffee field is going to provide you guys with an advantage over colgate in that in some respects yeah we we like playing at home you know our guys our guys have for whatever reason we've had a lot of success you know we've had for the most part you know last year more so than this year very much you know bunch of sellouts you know hopefully we're able to get it cranked back up this week and you know we, and, and the fans that have come have been very vocal and very supportive and, our, and obviously you like you know to to do well in front of your uh you know your fans your students you know the alumni and things like that so uh, i'm anticipating it to be a great atmosphere and um you know like you said family weekend you know battle for first place you know, nice nice saturday in the bronx you know don't get any, any better than that and, Coach, when you look at attendance this year, last year the talk was about all the sellouts, and this year the attendance really hasn't been at, at the level I think was anticipated when they brought in extra bleachers to try and complete the football stadium feel a bit more. Are you disappointed by the outcome of, of attendance at some of these games, which your team has won very handily? Well, I mean, you really can I mean, we concentrate on doing our part, which is winning football games at home and, you know, putting a good product on the field and, 
you know, um, you know, now we cracked the top ten today, but you know, ultimately there were some you know mitigating circumstances with those you know two games. One was a a uh, you know holiday weekend with some some bad rain, and you know one was a Friday night with people commuting at a six p.m. start. So there's certain things that you know I think uh, you know led to some of the lower numbers in a couple of those games. But you know we look forward to the to the next two here at Colgate and then in Georgetown on Senior Day, and if we're fortunate enough to get another one, then hopefully we can you know pack them in for those three. Coach, any final thoughts on this game or, or keys to the game? No, we get out of here, go grab a bite to eat, and get back to game planning. So, uh, Sounds good. Get, get, get into third down and red zone here a little bit later tonight. By the way, Coach, what's your favorite app at Applebee's? Do you actually have a, a go-to? Anything wing-related. Anything <laughs> wing-related. Coach Moorhead, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Coach Joe Moorhead joining us at Applebee's at Fordham Plaza. We'll be joined by Coach Ian Pace momentarily. You know, we had our group uh, over here actually sit down and, and look at the number of push-ups that uh, the cheerleaders have done. 1,582 push-ups this year. That's pretty impressive, Mike. Could your players do that, Coach? Um, 1,582 push-ups? Probably not in one sitting, but I think if you span it out over, over a few games, I think that would be able you to get it done. might have to have that challenge uh, played out. I couldn't. I couldn't. So <laughs> I, we know that for a fact. Yeah, certainly so. So let's... Go ahead and get Ian Pace in here, the Fordham tight end coach. He's going to be joining us. Of course, you know, Nick, when you and I look at this Fordham offense, it's hard to imagine it without Dan Light. Over the last couple of years, they've really been tremendous at, at using that tight end, not only in the blocking scheme, but he's a, a safety blanket for Mike Niebrick in this offense. I mean, he really is. You, you look at the play that he, the big play that he had in the Lehigh game right out of the flat. It looked like such an innocent little play, and then he takes it 50 yards down the field and takes it all the way to the house. So you talk about a, a weapon for the Fordham offense. There's so many of them. Sometimes he gets lost in, in all the, uh, the limelight of the wide receivers, but uh, Dan Light, really an important asset to this, this offense. Dan Light near the top of receptions in FCS for the second consecutive year. We're going to get Ian Pace in here. And, Coach Pace, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Always good to have you on and, and good to have you back. Let's go ahead and listen to that little innocent out route that, that they had Dan Light working on that led to a 51-yard touchdown. And we want to begin there with your thoughts on that. So let's go ahead and hear the highlight and go from there. Niebrick has the ball one yard shy of midfield with his offense on the field. Gets the ball. Fakes. Now throws to the right. Caught by Light at the 45. Still has feet at the 40. He's got speed at the 30. Breaks it wide open at the 10. He's running towards the pylon. He dives. He is in for the touchdown. Now, Coach, did you know Dan could actually still run that fast after adding the 30 pounds over the offseason? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Um, I'm you taught him that, right? Yeah, I definitely <laughs> taught him how to run as fast as he could, which isn't fast enough. But, um, you know, uh, it was good to see him actually extend a, a play like that. The last couple of, uh, you know, games he's caught stuff out in the flat and only gotten 5, 10 yards. So uh, I was really encouraging to see him take off and not get caught. Uh, the best part about the play, though, was uh, the reason he got sprung was because of uh, two of his teammates, uh, Sam Agell and Brian Wetzel. Uh, you know, they did some dirty work for him, and they uh, made some blocks, and they allowed the big fella to rumble down in there. and. He had his uh, Gronkowski moment because that's his idol. So uh, I was hoping we were going to get a spike in 15, but I, I know we're talking about penalties, so we got to uh, keep that to <laughs> under a limit. <laughs> well, Coach, when you look at what Dan is able to do, I, I mean, he's so effective in the in the flat and, and receiving. What is it about his game that makes him so effective? You know, uh, Dan's good at a variety of things. I don't want to say he's great at any of them. Uh, he's a really good blocker. He's really good in the pass game. You know, he uh, – his ability to be diverse and multiple has been great for us, and we've obviously been able to use it in a bunch of different ways. 
So uh, the thing that I, I think often you won't get to see is the way he practices. Uh, he's, he treats it like a professional already. Uh, you don't have to talk to him about his effort. Every play, every day, every rep, he goes as hard as he can. And I think because he does that, obviously, the success he's had speaks for itself. You know, last year he finished second in all of uh, football with receptions for a tight end. And this year he's having a very similar season in terms of that. And uh, blocking is the thing that I've noticed a big improvement on, especially in point of attack stuff and just having his hand in the ground and being able to block someone. He's done a, he knows he needed to improve there, and he's done a great job doing that. Dan Light, 29 receptions for 239 yards and five touchdowns, one off the team lead. And a lot is made of, of his accomplishments on the field, but he's done that in spite of a lot of off-field problems that he's dealt with in his life. His father passing away was certainly a major event for him, and, and he was able to come back this year and put together a very nice season thus far. But talk to me about Dan Light, the player, off the field rather than Dan Light on the field. Uh, what, what rating is this show? PG. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Danny's got a, a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, he, uh, the thing I like about Dan is he commands a great deal out of himself, but he also, his teammates. And I think you saw that when he was elected captain at the beginning of the year. You know, the standard he set for himself and that he holds his teammates to is of the highest. You know, so I know that he's a great kid because of that, obviously. Academically, he's a 3-6, 3-7 student. He's been all academic Patriot League. So that speaks volumes about him. And then his sense of humor, it's, you know, he's from uh, the Massachusetts area, and he's got a, he's got a unique sense of humor, and uh, I've been told by the guys I work with and the players I coach that so do I. So I think we kind of get along in that sense that we think we're funny and we're really not, but <laughs> we just keep on going with it, you know? Well, Coach, there's a lot to playing the tight end position. Just from a knowledge basis, you have to both sort of be a hybrid, a, a lineman and a wide receiver. So, for instance, on a typical pass play, what would a guy like Dan Light have to know about the defense that he's facing on a, on a pass play? You know, um, the thing Danny knows about football, which makes him really special, is his knowledge is there's a couple guys on our team that just understand football from the conceptual point that are almost like a coach on the field, Brian Wetzel, Michael Niebert. And I'd have to put Dan Light in that category. You know, he understands uh, coverage recognition keys. Uh, in terms of the run game, he understands what – a pressure look looks like, you know, based on the location of overhang linebackers and safeties and just the alignment of the defensive front. Sometimes you give them, you try to give them as many tips and tools to help them pass the test, you know, and Dan just, he remembers everything. You only have to say it once and he just, I don't know where he stores it all, but he stores it in there and he remembers it. And at times I've been very appreciative because he makes me look like I have a clue as his coach. So, <laughs> you know, that's uh, his knowledge is of the highest base and what he needs to know, he knows. So. We've got Ian Pace. He's the tight ends coach for Fordham. He graduated from Fordham in 09, played on the football team, of course, and uh, spent some time at Bowling Green before coming here. Let's talk a little bit more about your background while we've got a chance. And at Bowling Green, you're involved in a lot of different aspects of that program, not only on the field, but also working with the players off the field in a variety of capacities. At least that's what your bio says. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what you've done off the field, whether it be at Bowling Green or at Fordham, being institutions that aren't maybe necessarily there to, you know, produce football players as much as great men who can also play football very well. Uh, you know, at Bowling Green, uh, a former Fordham head coach hired me, uh, Dave Clawson, uh, and the first opportunity he gave me was uh, to be an academic liaison, you know, so uh, 
Obviously, uh, Bowling Green State University and Fordham are a little different in terms of the academic standards and the student you're going to get at each place. So uh, Bowling Green, we needed to have a, a staff that monitor their academics, and we have that here, don't get me wrong, and our staff does a great job. It's just the type of student we were de dealing with was a little different. So, you know, I ran study halls there, and I uh, did class checks there, and a lot of the principles that I had that was a part of at Bowling Green we use here, and I think... Uh, Obviously, the success at each of those institutions under Coach Clausen at BG and now here with Coach Moorhead uh, speak volumes as to the success of those type of systems and programs that were implemented. Uh, from there, I became a, a graduate assistant. Uh, I worked with the offensive line every day for about three and a half years, you know, so I got to deal with guys like Mason Halter and uh, Garrick, and those are my guys. I, I love Danny. I love Faison. I love Adam. I love James, but they know that at the end of the day, one day I would like to be an O-line coach, so I love those guys. And once I got done there and got my master's, uh, Coach Moore gave me a call, uh, asked me if I'd come to Fordham, and I, you know, I said, how quickly do you need me there? And a couple days later, I started, and I did the uh, operations role for a couple months. And then uh, a tight ends coach at the time, Coach Fogarty, uh, left for a, a new position at another institution. And Coach, you know, when he hired me, he said if somebody had left, I could have the opportunity to become a positional coach. And when it happened, I obviously jumped on that. And... Uh, you know, I just, it's great to be back in my alma mater working with such a great staff and for such a great head coach. Well, you, you had mentioned the fact that you were an offensive lineman at heart. Yeah. So for you, what kind, of, what kind of differences are there from being the offensive line coach and then being a tight ends coach? So what's, what is the major differences there? Uh, I found out that uh, all skill players, no matter what their size or shape, want the football and they want it as much as humanly possible. Um, you know, the thing with our team that's so special is we have so many different weapons. Uh, last year was the, the trifecta of our wideouts. So we each had a thousand, and this year, and I'm glad we have him. But 22 is, I mean, he's a man child out there, and uh, you know he runs the ball. Uh, so, and the great thing about all those guys is nobody wants the ball more than one another, you know. And uh, like going back to Danny's touchdown, the reason he scored was Sam and Brian, you know. And nobody complains about the ball. Nobody asks for the ball more than another. But uh, you know, with O Lyman, they never even have a thought or recognition of touching a football. So. Last season, I had to learn a lot about, like, hey, you know, every once in a while I'd like to catch the ball. You know, I don't just want to block. And I had to be like, why? And he's like, well, I want to catch the football. So, uh, you know, I had to learn about that. But now uh, it's a good give and take because he's learned to appreciate run block and, and all the guys have. So, And I want to go a bit further. You mentioned the other guys. You mentioned all of them a little bit earlier in a previous answer. But when you look at Faison Odom, he, he got a chance to play a little bit more in some double tight sets early in the season. Adam Malkowitz dealt with. Some, some really scary injury-related stuff as the year went along, but is now making a ton of special teams plays. Your tight end group is really quite diverse in its talents and the ability it has on the field, isn't it? Yeah, it that absolutely is. And, you know, Faison, first we'll talk Faison. You know, he's uh, arguably the most physically impressive kid on our football roster, uh, 6'8", 250 pounds. Uh, and he's definitely improved since uh, the last time I was on here, uh, just in terms of, uh, his maturity, you know, uh, taking care of stuff off the field and handling all his business. And then his actual on-the-field play has gotten much better. Uh, you know, he was he really pushed hard in fall camp and uh, as a result earned a bunch of playing time early. And he, he's got to continue to keep making pushes and hopefully he'll have a great spring and get himself ready to be a, uh, an all-league player next fall. How much is of a luxury is it for you to have three guys that are so talented and so diversely talented? Um, you know, a very, very uh, spoiled uh, Adam Malkowitz, uh, if we're going to talk about another guy, you know, he, um, he doesn't play very much, you know, outside of special teams. He doesn't get a lot of action in our base offense. But uh, 
the way he prepares and the way he approaches football is something I'm grateful for because he treats it as if he's going to start instead of Danny. And when situations have arose, you know, he's been ready to go. And he plays at a high level. And there's a majority of other teams in the league. I think he'd get an opportunity to play on based off of what they do or based off of the personnel they have. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great luxury. You know, if Danny ever needs a blow, you know, you can put a six foot eight, 250-pound man out there. You can put a six foot four, 240-pound man out there. And uh, they're all going to make me look like I have a clue. So. Excellent. Well, Coach, I want to finish with this while we've got a minute with you, and, and hopefully your mic is a little bit better adjusted. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Bob Aaron's um, really moving that a little bit closer so we can hear you. Good. I, I want to close with this because we talked about it last year, and it got okay. a bit heated. Uh, yeah. How's Avon Lake doing? Uh, they're doing well. I, uh, they're, uh, you know, I know how their record is. So uh, I have no idea. I yeah. really don't you know, know. You um, should tell me. You know, they struggled this year. I think they're 1-8. Uh, and eight. they got one more game. Um, so uh, I wish Coach DeLucas uh, all the best of luck in that game this Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, how's uh, St. Ignatius? Uh, St. Ignatius, I should ask Mason Halter. Is St. Ignatius, they've already clinched their playoff spot, right? Yeah, I think they already clinched their playoff spot. So Gotcha. Did oh. they do it with uh, what, what city are there all those kids on the roster from? Uh, well, Cleveland? It, it, it's, it's a mix. Where are you from, Mace? Hinkley? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, he right. is from Hankley. Okay. Gotcha. Well, you know, all right. Enough of this Ohio high school uh, talk. Coach, thank you so much for your time as always, and good luck to you and your position and, and uh, the rest of the team the rest of the way. All right. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it. That's Ian Williams. Uh, sorry, Ian Pace. Ian Williams, they, they don't really uh, – not the same size at all. We've got Ian Pace, uh, Fordham 2009, played some left tackle, left guard in his senior year as a starter, and, of course, has been the tight ends coach here for a couple of years after – being at BG for a, a fair amount of time as well at the FBS level. We're going to have Chase Edmonds and Mason Halter joining us in just a moment. It's the guy who runs for the yards and the guy who blocks for him who are set to join us. And Chase Edmonds is enjoying just the best-looking milkshake on this planet right now. But I think he's okay to finally come and join us. When you look at the offensive line, a lot of experience, and you look at the running back, not so much, and yet they've found a way to be the most prolific rushing attack the entire Patriot League this year. Yeah, it's not too shabby when you look at, what, eight games through the season and uh, Chase Edmonds has uh, 1,200 yards. That's not not too shabby, to say the least, Mike, and not to mention the fact that he had five rushing touchdowns in a single game. Uh, those, are, those are numbers that you don't see every day. No, they're video game numbers, obviously. We're happy to welcome on senior left tackle Mason Halter and freshman, true freshman running back Chase Edmonds. Guys, how you doing? Good, how, how are you? Sir? Well, I, hopefully other people will clap. I mean, one guy's All right, so, guys, let's talk a little bit about the success that your team has had this year. At this point, Mason, your offensive line at this stage is not only pushing a passing attack that's averaging over 300 yards a game, but a rushing attack that's nearing 200 yards as well. You guys have to be very pleased with how your group has progressed and gelled together despite some injuries. Definitely. We've, uh, we've had a good year. Not great yet, but uh, still got to keep going. Uh, I mean, it helps when you have a bunch of skilled players like Chase, like Nebrick, uh, all these guys just make it all work for us. Um, yeah, it's been good. And meanwhile, well, we've got a 1,200-yard rusher sitting across from us. How has it been going from, from high school being a 2,000-yard rusher or thereabouts? And it seems like in college, first year, it seems like there's barely any difference for you. Well, yeah, you know, uh, it's an it's a, uh, easier transition when you have a, a great line like I do have with Mason Halter and all the vets, you know, Stolte and Mayweather and Mazera, and then we have uh, Young Shug on the right tackle. But they make it so easy for us, you know. The line does a great job. You know, they, they establish the line of scrimmage. That's our goal coming into every game. And as long as they keep doing their job, the skill players are handling business. 
All right, Chase, let's look back a little bit on your season so far yes, because you had that negative five-yard oh, yeah. rushing game against Villanova. All right, it's okay to have a down game. You had a down game that game, but you've been able to bounce back so incredibly well. And what do you credit that to, the fact that you've been able to just come back with these 100-yard-plus games? Um, well, one thing that I think uh, the Villanova game did was it definitely humbled us as an offensive unit because I know that you know, when you have the success that you're having last year and it carries on to this year, it, it's hard to not get a little bit, not conceited, but content. So I think it definitely put us down to earth. And then, you know, it made us have a goal of every game coming in and dominating the line of scrimmage because Villanova, honestly, we just didn't do that. And that's why the success wasn't there. So it definitely humbled us and it made us more hungry. Mason is a guy who, by the way, was really a senior, expected to lead the team this year after that Villanova loss. Clearly, you guys bounced back, but what did you and the rest of the senior class do to help the coaching staff in making sure the season took the right turn back on track? I mean, it was definitely um, Chase, Chase hit, hit, hit the nail on the head there. Uh, he, it, the, the game definitely humbled us, um, and going into the next week, I think we just focused on the basics and uh, the fundamentals and technique. We got back to who we are as an offensive line, who we are as a, as a whole offense and as a whole team together, and I think that just propelled us to where we are now. All right, Mason, let's look back a little bit at this Lehigh game that you guys just played. And Chase Edmonds, look at these numbers here, 197 yards, five touchdowns. So from an offensive line perspective, what were you guys seeing Lehigh put out there on the defensive front that allowed you guys to be successful? I mean, um, I, I mean our coaches dialed it up for us. Uh, they, they, gave us they gave us a great game plan, and we just went out there and executed. Um, I mean, it helps when you have running backs that can make people miss. Um, that are unblocked, but um, it was it was it was a good week for us during practice and it started then, and we just we just uh, we just just we just did well on the on the line and uh, got everything going there. All right, well we want to go ahead and, and get your thoughts on this as well, the Lehigh game, because yes, well you got five touchdowns, there was one that you didn't get. Yeah. We want to hear the highlight first, and then I want to get your thoughts because it's not often we see somebody leap over a defender run 95 yards for a touchdown so let's get the highlight first kick is away and it's aimed towards the 10 and it bounces to the five it's brought up by Edmonds and he brings it right up the middle across the 25 leaps over a defender and he's out in the open he's in midfield he's up the far sideline and he won't be caught he's at the 10 five touchdown whoa 95 yards Well, and then came the flag. So yeah. it was a holding penalty. It was back basically where you leapt over that defender at the 25, 29-yard line, somewhere around there. Did you know when you ran by that that was potentially going to end up being an issue or when you were blasting uh, downfield, no no, no worries was, in your mind? No, nah, it was kind of a counter call. So I'm kind of looking to the left at the defender coming to me, and the hole apparently was to my right. So I wasn't really looking over there. I didn't really see nothing, but when we watched it on film, it was it was 50-50 call, so – it just turned out that it happened to get caught that specific time. And I want to take a step further. How often do you leap over players? Do you do it in practice? Do you do it for fun? Do you, oh, do you no. hurdle uh, all the time? No, I don't even know how I did it. It was just the <laughs> instinct. You know, I, I seen the guy. I felt him trying to, you know, ankle bite. So I just picked up the feet, and it ended up just happening like that. Mason, you can jump over players, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at it, you end up getting the fifth touchdown because the, the play was called back. You yes, bring sir. it down the field and you get that extra touchdown. So for you, what does it mean to have a Fordham record already to your name? You, you've had some freshman records and 
certainly those are nice, but to have a, a true Fordham all-time single-game record, five touchdowns, what does that mean to you? So it means a lot. You know, it's definitely a true blessing, and I say it every time. And, you know, I just I can't thank Milan enough because I'm not the one to take success. You know, I try to remain as humble as I can. And when you have a line that I'm provided with, it makes the game so much easier coming in as a freshman to this Division One football team. So it definitely goes to them. And for you, Mason, we bring some perspective in here. You, you had a guy, Carlton Coons, last year, pretty successful running back in his own right. And then you have a guy, Chase Edmonds, who comes in following after that. So what is that like for you to be blocking for these great running backs? I mean, it's it's a it's really great experience. Um, it's it's hap- it's it, it feels good to, to be blocking for such um, – some, such great rushers like Carlton and now Chase and even KP backing him up. He had 100 yards as well. I mean, they're all they're all just really they're all really determined to get their, those yards and to focus on the game plan and they, they just they just do their job. And coming back over to you, Chase, yes, it's it's unrealistic to think that you would have expected that you were going to run for five touchdowns. But was there a moment in this game, maybe when you had three or four touchdowns, where you were like? Hey, this could be a pretty special game for me. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny because uh, me and Niebuhr like to joke around, you know, like when Niebuhr threw for six touchdowns at Penn, he was like, yeah, Edmonds, I took all your touchdowns this game. <laughs> and I got to the third one, and I think we called another rush on the goal line, and Niebuhr comes over, and he's like, God, we got to – we got to start running the football on the goal line, taking all my touchdowns, man, taking all my money. So it was just – that's when kind of, you know, we kind of joked around about that. It could have been a good day. By the way, Mason, what do you prefer at the goal line? You're one yard away. Would you prefer to do some kind of, of pass-blocking scheme of the rollout, or do you really just want to shove everyone into the end zone? you got to love just rushing it right into the end zone, just shoving it right down their throat. It feels good. Uh, I mean, passing's good too, but I'd like to get my little fella some touchdowns. Well, I, uh, Mason, I, I talk to your dad very often. Mr. Halter is a uh, frequent listener to the show and a, a frequent uh, visit down to, to Fieldside. So I asked him what I should be asking you about, and he, he mentioned something about have you ever been asked for your birth certificate before a game? Is that an actual thing? No, not in college. <laughs> Is that Was that thing in high school? No, I don't believe so either. What, what's he coming up with that? Uh, I, think that's, I think that's when I was younger, when I was a little guy. Really? Uh, did that actually happen? That that actually occurred at a game? It, it did a few times, yeah, during baseball games. I, uh, thir- I was a first baseman, so all the, all the base coaches always asked me how old I was. I was always I was always a taller guy, so they were they were they were questioning my age always. And I I, I actually remember seeing you in batting practice. I think it was four years ago in South Carolina, and you couldn't hit a lick. But you were a pitcher in baseball, yep. uh, as well as a power forward in basketball. When or rather a center, I suppose. What did you most want to play if all was equal coming into college? Obviously, football has worked out very well, but was there any consideration of the other sports? Um, I, I, I mean, there was, but uh, football is always my first love, and it's it's always it, it, it gives me um, a different satisfaction than those other two sports do. And I made a great choice, and uh, hopefully, I can keep playing sometime. Yeah, and, and Chase, I, I actually want to follow up on something that Coach Pace said. He called you a man child. What does that mean? What, what, I mean, I, I'm not even totally uh, confident what that yeah. means. But when you're called something like that for the performances you've put together. Well, what's uh, that like for you being called a man-child? I don't think he's talking about physically because I'm not too big, as you no. can see. But, um, you know, a lot of things that the uh, coaches point out to me about myself is that, you know, my attitude towards the game of football, like coming out to the practices and just how I'm kind of like this complete different, different person. You know, I talk to a lot of my friends before practice and outside of it, but when I get on that football field, it's just like a switch. Like, 
I take the game so seriously. I want to be the best football player that I can be, so I approach it with the respect that it deserves. So this is kind of like that with the mentality. All right, well, guys, we really appreciate the time. It's left tackle senior Mason Halter and freshman tailback and record setter Chase Edmonds, a man child to be sure. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, well, that's a Fordham freshman, a Fordham senior that certainly are making big waves this year. And, well, back to, to me and Nick to finish off the show here. You look forward, Fordham is 7-1, and 3-0 and in the Patriot League. It's hard to believe that Fordham is just one or two more wins away from potentially clinching a Patriot League championship and being right back in the postseason like they were a year ago, yet here they are. When you look forward to this game against Colgate, what do you see being the end result of that? Well, I think this is going to be uh, an extra motivation game for Fordham. You, you look at Lehigh, they were kind of a perennial team in the Patriot League competing for all those championships. They have 10 Patriot League championship titles. Colgate's right up there with them. Historically, a good team in the Patriot League. So I think that's going to give Fordham an extra momentum, some added motivation heading into this one. They're playing at home. It's going to be family weekend, added emotions. I think Fordham, if they come out and play the same way they did with the same intensity at Lehigh, I think they're going to walk away with the W, setting up a huge matchup with Bucknell in two weeks. Is it too early to ask you for a score like last time? Yeah, it's too early. I didn't do my film work. I, I got to get ready. <laughs> I really got to do my scouting. It's, it's too early. Come back to me on Friday. All right. Well, <laughs> when you and Mike Mirando, the kicker, are done with your film study, let me know and we'll, we'll talk this over. So that should do it for this week's edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Thanks to head coach Joe Moorhead, tight end coach Ian Pace, freshman tailback Chase Edmonds, and senior offensive lineman Mason Halter for their time. Next Monday, another edition of Monday Night Quarterback. A look back at the Colgate game. We'll look forward to a showdown at Bucknell. We'll have our X's and O's segment with one of the coaches and go inside the huddle with some of the players. Make sure you're listening to 90.7 FM and WFUBsports.org on Saturday, 12.50. The one-on-one -on -one pregame report begins. Kickoff at 1 o'clock. It's Fordham and Colgate, a battle for first place in the Patriot League. Until then, for Nick Legerifo, supervising producer Merrill Servin, producer Sean Hayner and engineer Brendan Bowers. This is Mike Watts saying have a good week everybody. Monday Night Quarterback is a presentation of WFUV Sports.